Welcome into the 49ers Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers Week 2 of the NFL preseason matchup against the Denver Broncos. Broncos country? Let's ride. Uh, today's going to be a great day. Going to dive into what we want to see from Trey Lance coming into his second preseason game. Uh, if we might see some actual starters play, on Saturday, not Sunday. I kept saying Sunday in the last podcast. I meant Saturday. Saturday, Sunday. It's the same freaking day for all I care. It's a weekday uh, or it's it's a weekend off from work, but it's a great weekend for football. A week to the NFL preseason coming up on Saturday. Saturday, not Sunday. Saturday. Um, but with all that being said, uh, I, I do want to ask you one thing. Hit that like button and subscribe to the podcast. You guys have done a phenomenal job thus far. We're at 421, just surpassed 420 subscribers on YouTube. We're grinding hard, ramping up to the regular season. I'd love to hit 500 before then. Uh, we're only a couple weeks away, so let's see if we can meet that goal. And also, if you're listening on the audio version, leave a review. It helps the podcast. And let's dive into week two of the NFL preseason right here on the 49er Access Podcast. Okay, this starts what happened earlier today. Uh, Kyle Shanahan on KNBR mentioned that starters might indeed play. Uh, not sure how much, and he didn't confirm this, but the exact quote was, Brock Purdy and the rest of the starters could play for a series in the first quarter against Denver. If not, if they choose to not play the starters, Sam Darnold will play the entire first half, and Trey Lance will start the second half. So basically... If the starters don't play, it's going to be an inverse of quarterback play. Last week, Darn or Lance started, then Darnold. This week, Darnold, then Lance. Uh, that seems a very straightforward thing that was going to happen the entire time, especially knowing that they're fighting for the quarterback two job and not the starting quarterbacks of this team. Darnold's not starting for this team. Lance ain't starting for the team. This is a quarterback two battle for the ages here in San Francisco, right? At least on Twitter, it certainly is. <laughs> um, but let's dive into what we want to see this Saturday at 5.30 at Levi Stadium for Week 2 of the NFL preseason. And really, to me, this Saturday is kind of a redemption for Trey Lance. But before you get to him, if the starters play, let's say Brock Purdy plays a series or two, um, there's always going to be, just like Trey Lance, the reacclimation prod, you know, kind of process, right, getting back on the field, taking a hit. Um, Trey Lance took four hits last week. That was good to kind of get him his feet wet and good to kind of get him back on the field. Same for Purdy. If Purdy's going to play, somebody hit him, please. Um, the last thing you want is to go into week one against Pittsburgh and, and TJ Watt comes around the corner and then, well, bam, he's on the ground and, you know, he's like, that's the first hit I've taken since being back. So if he does indeed play, uh, I'm not saying let him get hit, but by all means, Take a shot. Like, you might as well get yourself and kind of have that welcome back Brock Purdy moment. Um, but when it comes to passing, for him, and more importantly, really for, for all the quarterbacks in the room, you have to be able to run the offense efficiently. Uh, Purdy showed it last year very easily in, in seven to eight games. But I do want to see, is the effectiveness still there? Like, are we going to see a very raw Brock Purdy when it comes to you know, being back on the field? Because if he is, um, then you start to have the conversation of, oh, okay, like, we're lenient now, maybe in week two of the preseason, but come week three, uh, and he's maybe, say, he's still raw or still maybe a little inconsistent, 
do you start to worry about, okay, maybe he's back too soon, maybe he's already yet, and those conversations will indeed arise, whether here on the podcast or within the fan base on Twitter, especially, uh, especially knowing <laughs> that the fan base is so torn on quarterbacks. Um, and so if Brock Purdy plays, I want to see his timing be right. I want to see, you know, he doesn't have to be the perfect quarterback. None of these guys have to be perfect, maybe outside Trey Lance, knowing his situation over guys like Purdy and Darnold. Uh, but if Purdy does play, I, I want to see him hit a slant right over the middle. I want, I want to see his timing to the outside. I want to see his arm strength on display. I, I'm not asking for deep shots. That's not what I'm asking for if he does play on Saturday. What I'm asking for is, you know, get him comfortable again. You know, let him get hit once or twice. Let him feel some pressure. Um, let him feel what football feels like again, you know, when someone's trying to come at you, like Trey Lance felt last week against Las Vegas. Um, and so for Purdy, if he does if he does play on Saturday against the relatively good Denver defense, um, with Sean Payton now at the helm and Russell Wilson, that quarterback, uh, I do want to see, you know, get him some quick, easy plays, get him comfortable back in the pocket, some screen stuff, some dump offs, you know, some check down stuff. Let him feel the NFL. Let him feel what it's like to get, you know, get tackled, get some pressure on him, have the pocket collapse and, you know, make him move around a little bit. Uh, you hope it's not in the same vein of <laughs> that Trey Lance had to go through last week. But, you know, if that's the case and the pocket's just awful and the second team offensive line is just so bad, um, that isn't always a bad thing for a quarterback. Yes, you want the offensive line to hold up. Yes, that can affect how a quarterback plays. We saw it last week early, especially for Trey Lance. But for Brock Purdy's case, it's almost like, not that you want the exact same performance from the offensive line, but you do want there to be some pressure on him of, okay, look, you know, this process of getting back on the field has been ramping up you know, practice by practice and joint practice by joint practice, but here we are live reps, you know, what does that process look like and where is it at currently in week two? So if he's out there, great. It's a good sign for his, his rehab and getting back on the field. Um, he did and is now practicing every single day with the rest of the team, three days on, one day off, like everyone else is. So if Brock Purdy is basically 100% healthy right now. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does play, but if he does play, uh, I do want to see him get him comfortable and get him out of the game. The last thing you want is having him get hurt. Let him take a hit, let him get knocked down. Doesn't have to be a sack, could be like a you know, throws the ball, then takes kind of a little bump and gets knocked down. Doesn't have to be like this catastrophic Hassan Reddick from the sideline or, you know, off the tackle coming in and wrecking his arm again. Just take a couple bumps, a couple bruises, a couple easy passes, get in, get out. Then let's see what Donald and Lance can do. And so, with that said, what do we need to see from Trey Lance? How can Trey Lance grow and improve from last week against the Raiders? And look... I'll be honest here, I was extremely hard on Trey Lance, uh, and there's a reason, and I explained to you after the game that Trey's circumstances make it nearly impossible for him to win quarterback two, uh, and he's not going to win quarterback one, if he isn't perfect, um, if he isn't showing the poise in the pocket, if he isn't hitting open receivers, if he isn't, like Shanahan said, pulling the trigger. Uh, Shanahan once, and there was plenty of opportunities downfield for Trey Lance in this game. Open, guys. Like, there were plays where a receiver's open in two different windows, and he's not hitting them. 
Um, that's stuff that's going to make Kyle Shanahan just rip his hair out. And he's sitting there, you know, like the Grinch on Mount Crumpet, like, hate, 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 double hate, triple hate, loathe entirely. Like, that's some, like, oh my god, you're never going to play type of stuff. And so, for Trey Lance to come into this game, be at home at Levi Stadium, where he has had his best preseason performances, in my opinion, maybe outside the Chargers, Charger game in Los Angeles in his first year here in San Francisco... Um, I think this is a game where if he does play the second half, that he'll have kind of those jitters to be down a little bit. He'll have a whole half to kind of sit there and watch the defenses and learn from, you know, what Darnold's doing out there. And the, and the second string offensive line, if they're out there as well, and it's the same unit, hopefully they'll have their inconsistencies kind of out of their system too. Kind of how it happened with Darnold last week. Now for Trey, it's about running the offense quickly, smoothly, efficiently, and pulling the trigger. You cannot be gun-shy in this week, in this game against Denver. We all thought coming into last week, uh, yes. Trey Lance's first game back after a severe ankle injury, I get all that stuff, right? We, we understand there's circumstances around him that favor him and don't favor him. But for Trey this week, that's now done. You've, you're back from the ankle injury. You've played one game. Uh, albeit not a great game, but now it's about when there is an open window, can you hit your player 15 yards downfield? Can you really, can you show Kyle Shanahan that, hey, I know where I struggle. I've worked on it for months and months and months. I've shown it in practice. Does that translate onto game day? It didn't last week. It has to this week. If Trey Lance comes out this week and is inconsistent, is gun shy, is inaccurate, and you know is, is throwing the ball right to receivers, is throwing balls, you know, dangerous throws to receivers in the back of the end zone that are almost picked off and somehow dink and doink for a touchdown to Ross Dwelly. If he's doing that stuff, um, there's no way he's gonna play, or at least be named quarterback number two. There's no way, unless Darnold just craps a bed and has poop in his diaper the entire game. Which could happen, I'm not discounting that, but I'm just speaking of Trey here, because that's who the fan base seems to be infatuated with. If Trey Lance, like, what he needs to come out and just, just own the game, that, okay, if last week was your first game back and you were a little timid, uh, maybe you were seeing things a little too slow, and you were going through your progressions too fast, you felt maybe like you couldn't make a pass just yet, for whatever reason, if that's the case, wipe it out of your head, come into Saturday against Denver, you have a cannon for an arm. Take a risk. It's okay to take a risk. Like, even the play that was almost picked off should have been picked off against the Raiders. Chris Conley back of the end zone, you know, tip, 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 touchdown to Ross Dwelly. Even that play. I like that decision, but it was too late. There is a window where Trey Lance does have Chris Conley open in the back of the end zone. But he's roaming to his left, has, has to reset his feet, and he can't throw off balance. If he does, the ball's probably not even going to be as close as it was on that play. And so for Trey, it's, if you're going to take a risk, take it. Like, don't, you cannot hesitate. Uh, I believe he had the longest average time to throw from all of the quarterbacks on uh, last week against Las Vegas. And if you're having three seconds to throw, that is ample time for receivers to get in and out of their cuts and you to hit them in stride wherever they are. 
whether it's a quick out, an end around, a guy in a crossover, a guy on a bubble screen, whatever it is, you had time last week for the majority of your play, albeit the first three drives, maybe not. You had time. Um, I believe John Lynch said this a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last year, like, you have to make the most of your reps. Um, don't count how many reps you're getting. Make the most of the reps you are getting. I don't care you're getting you know, 15 total reps. If you're in 15 reps, you have to make those count. And for Trey, unfortunately, one game is down the tube and was poor. And I think everyone collectively left that game saying, yikes, um, there's a reason why guys like O'Sullivan, you know, on his, his YouTube channel are talking about, you know, how poorly Trey's played and, you know, being on the radio and talking about, you know, how how inconsistent he's been and how the film, while there are certain things you like that were improved from a year ago or ago, be handling ability to evade defenders to you know, find Willie Sneed on like a little jump throw while he's running. There are good things, but I think Trey, it's come in and command the pocket. Um, again, you can't play timid. No head down, no shoulders down, no slumping. You know, what's the one thing they say when you're playing baseball? I played it for 15 years. Um, if you make a mistake, no palms up. Of like, what happened? I don't know. You are to blame. If you make an error, it's your fault. Now look, that's where Trey has to improve here. If a receiver drops the ball, that's on them. Let other people make mistakes. You need to make your plays. The offensive line plays bad. It's not entirely on you, but go through your progressions. See guys open. There are windows. Like you can watch the film on from Kyle Posey, Niners Nation does great stuff over there. JTO Sullivan. If you don't want to take it from me, and you just want to say the offensive line's bad, and that's why he wasn't good in his first game back, but who? Go watch their film study. There are plenty of players open. There is timing issues on comebackers, on on little you know little loops where you know he's sitting there and the receiver turns around and Trey's still holding the football. Get rid of it. It's about playing in a rhythm. Uh, again, I, I don't want to bring up Jimmy Garoppolo, so I'll bring up Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy last year played in rhythm a lot, and that's why he was so successful. That's what made Kyle Shanahan buy into him. And for Trey, uh, the stat line to me is irrelevant. It was irrelevant last week against Las Vegas. It's irrelevant this week against the Denver Broncos. Who cares? I don't care if he goes 10 for 15. If you play as bad as he did last week, it's not important. For Trey this week, it's about... Can you be six for eight? Hit your guys on time. You know, move the football down the field. That's what I want to see. Kyle Shanahan will sit there and say, I'm happy you can throw a game against Las Vegas. He kind of picked things up and, you know, made some nice throws and is you know, towards the end of his performance in the, in the first half. But if that performance from the beginning carries over into this Saturday, it might be night-night for Trey Lance's quarterback number two opportunities. I hate saying that. Um... It doesn't really sound fair to him, but that's where we're at currently. And so for Trey, you know, you have to play fearless. You know, Steve Young said he looks like a quarterback or player that is young, inexperienced, and also has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He feels like there's so much pressure on him, and there is, there should be. Um, I don't care what Trey says of, I don't feel any pressure, there is pressure on you. You have to perform. Um, or, or risk being quarterback three on this team. And so for Trey, come in, be confident. I want to see that I'm a third overall pick. I'm a first-round pick. 
I'm a former top five pick. I'm the guy you want to be your franchise quarterback. You had that title on you. Act like it. Like, I don't care if you're cocky. I don't care if you're a dick. Act like it. Go in there and just own it. Like, a thing with myself is I'm not a very confident person. Um, it's much easier for me to talk to myself through the microphone or through a YouTube video. But to put myself out there, to even, you know, have a conversation with somebody else in live person or, you know, through the, the internet is hard for me. I get nervous. I get scared. I start to quiver. Oh, hi, hi. But when I'm in my element, when I'm hosting a radio show, when I'm talking with you right now, this is the most confident I ever feel. Because it's me and you talking San Francisco 49ers football. This is my element I'm in. For Trey Lance, your element has to be quarterback. Feel that. Own that moment. Don't come in timid or, you know, if I mess up, my job's gone. You can make a mistake and you're going to be fine. You're not fighting for quarterback one. You're fighting for quarterback two. Darnold's going to make mistakes. Almost made one last week. He was one for seven today at practice. Trey was three for three. Like, take what you do in practice, which has been really good, and just own that. Like, you are Trey freaking Lance. What does that mean? I don't know. But I can tell you what it should mean. Former first-round pick. Former third-overall pick. Picked higher than Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Micah freaking Parsons and Jamar Chase and Rashawn Slater. Own that. You have so much to prove and so much to gain from just being yourself. Come out there on Saturday against Las Vegas, or against Denver, excuse me. Own the pocket. Own being the San Francisco 49ers quarterback in the second half to Chris Conley, Ronnie Bell, Danny Gray, whoever's out there with you. Come out there, hit your guys in stride, be on time in your routes. It's easier said than done. But Trey Lance seems to lack confidence in games. It's been we've only seen it once, mind you. I'm not saying like he's always like this, but we've only seen it once. But I want to see him come out there and just own this. There's pressure on you. This fan base is rallying behind you, and I think getting him back in Levi Stadium, his hometown or his home arena, his home stadium, excuse me, where this fan base has cheered him on every pass he's made in preseason. Every time he's come into a game in the regular season, they've cheered. You've heard the Levi Stadium crowd roar for Trey Lance. Use that to your advantage. Now for Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, it's much more simpler. Or it's much more simple <laughs> words. Um, for Sam Darnold, this is really, you have no pressure on you. You have nothing to prove. Uh, you have been labeled a bust, that you suck, you're seeing ghosts. You are, again, a two-time failed franchise quarterback of the Jets and Panthers. All you're doing is coming here and trying to you know, work in the offense and do your thing. Hit your checkdowns and work within what Kyle Shanahan gives you. Trey Lance couldn't do that last week. Sam Darnold kind of did that. thought he was fine. He wasn't anything special. Had the best throw of the game to Ronnie Bell and 37 yards, I believe, uh, in that second half. For To me, Darnold in this game on Saturday, this is his opportunity to continue his ascent up the depth chart. Um, yes, it's still close. You know, it's kind of a 
Trey's been better in practice, but Darnold's been better in one game. And let's see how things go this Saturday. And I think for Sam, it's you know, more about, you know, he's going to be good in his timing. He's going to be good, you know, hitting guys in stride. Like, again, there was a play last week against you know, the Raiders. It Tay Martin quick out to the right side. Boom. As soon as that ball is gone, Tay's just getting out of his break and the ball is right in front of him. Like, it's like right on the dot, right on the money. That's not my concern with Sam. For Sam, it's almost, and you hate to say this, but it's almost like you can kind of just go in a shell and play a very simplistic style of offense and you can win this quarterback two job. Like, you're almost in a position where because you've made or you have been so turnover prone in your career, if you want to win this job, it's almost like, do I just play a very safe brand of football? You know, hand it off, screens, dump downs, quick outs, quick slants over the middle, you know, find guys who are open, uh, and really just play a very simple Kyle Shanahan, you know, wide open guy in the bubble of the defense. Don't try too hard. Don't force a throw. Uh, unlike Trey, for Sam, it's almost like just play a very simplistic brand of football. Go out there and just dink and dunk your way to a quarterback number two role. Now, for Sam, it's almost like, okay, sometimes Sam gets a little advantageous and says, I'm going to sling this ball into a tight window where there's a defender right in front of him. If he doesn't do that, like he almost did last week against the Raiders, if Sam can play a very safe, kind of bubble-wrapped, you know, don't turn the ball over, protective of a drive of the football, you're like he's going to win this job. Like He's, he's going to win this job. Um, simply because he is the safer option. Uh, what's the one thing to tell you of any player? You have to take care of the football. That's been Darnold's biggest knock in his entire career. If he does that on Saturday, uh, no matter what Trey does, unfortunately, it, well, if Trey throws for three touchdowns and 120 yards and is, you know, 10 for 10, the passing looks amazing, that's a different conversation. But I think if, you know, if, if Trey comes out and goes eight for 12, you know, 70-ish, 60-ish yards... It looks like a competitive quarterback is hitting guys in stride, and Sam comes out and you know throws no touchdowns and no picks and is like six for eight and and looks fine. Um, it's almost like where do they average out? Where Trey's was been down here, but now he's up here. Where Sam's just kind of in the middle, like yeah, I'm just riding along, man. I'm just a Honda Civic, you know. Trey's the the Mitsubishi sports car who's one week he's revving up and vroom, vroom, vroom. the next week he's in the shop because the wing broke off or, or the exhaust is messed up or the transmission is broken. And Sam's like, I had good gas mileage. You know, I'm getting 40 miles of the gallon. You know, I, I haven't broke down once. I'm all reliable. I'm good old safety mister. You know, no turnover. Six for eight. No big deal. I'm Kyle Shanahan's best friend type of quarterback. And if he can do that, then I think that's what, like... That's what I want to see from Sam because that's what can make Kyle Shanahan buy into him. And for Trey, it's like Sam doesn't have to prove much. For Trey, it's like you get to go out there and prove yourself, but be confident, move the football. Like these guys can do it. I believe in Trey Lance. I think against Denver, and for the love of God, I hope, unlike Las Vegas, I hope Denver isn't game planning for this outing on Saturday at Levi Stadium. If they are, um, I don't know what to say because it was abundantly clear Las Vegas looked like they wanted to win that game on Saturday last week and Kyle Shanahan or Sunday last week and Kyle Shanahan was just like I'm just, I'm just trying to make guys complete passes and they call generic running plays and 
hope my offensive line holds up. And so I hope Sean Payton isn't sitting there being like, we're going to go out there, we're going to kick their butt. And Kyle Shanahan's like, I haven't even put the offense together yet. I'm just out here being like, oh, blah, you know, Brock Birdie, Debo Zaniel, blah. Like, I'm hoping Denver doesn't come out trying to kill, you know, <laughs> 49ers offense on, on Saturday like the Las Vegas was last week. Um, moving on from quarterbacks to running backs, Ty Davis Price, this is a given. Um, I think he's been the best running back in camp and practice and even preseason um, besides Christian McCaffrey. Uh, with Elijah Mitchell still being hurt, still hasn't practiced at all this week, I believe. Uh, this is his opportunity. Come out there. Keep. I thought TDP looked really good last week. I didn't even mention him that much because there was so much quarterback talk to get to. Um, but I think TDP looked really good at a certain point during the game. He had five yards per carry um, until late when they kind of things got bogged down and it was Brandon Allen and Sam Darnold in there and drivers ending immediately. Um so for TDP, it's like, look, follow your blocks. You know, come out there and hit your holes. <laughs> Sounds weird saying that, but but for TDP, it's like the one thing you're trying to prove is that in relief of Christian McCaffrey, can you be this breath of fresh air, you know, this kind of jump start to the offense, explosive maybe for six runs a game. And I think for Ty Davis Price, he also wants to prove he can do this you know, for 10, 15 carries a game because if Christian McCaffrey goes down or Mason goes down or Mitchell, who's down right now, if they're going to be out, like, this is TDP's opportunity to prove he can be a horse in the NFL. I, now, I don't think he's a bell cow by any means, but I do think for Tony Davis Price, this is his first opportunity to get back in front of the home crowd, to get back in front of the faithful, to kind of, you know, get in the bright lights of a preseason game on Saturday night... This is a big game for him. Uh, I firmly believe that if Ty Davis Price comes out on Saturday and has a good game, let's say he has you know 40 yards on like set eight carries, right, or even 10 carries, and averages four yard per carry, um, looks strong, maybe has like a 15 yard run here or there or a 10 yard run to kind of you know you know kind of splash and get the crowd going kind of crazy. I think he can win the running back two job. I really do. I think there is a spot for him. Christian McCaffrey is your number one. He's your bell cow. He is your Ricky Waters, you know, style of, you know, Roger Craig running back and receiver mixture guy. Jordan Mason's the closer in the fourth quarter to get you that, you know, second four, that third and two to ice the game out. And TDP can be that number two complement to Christian McCaffrey. He's been improved in pass blocking, been improved in pass catching. And really, you come out on Saturday, put a good game together. We're talking about TDP being RB2 on this team uh, going forward into week three of the preseason. Uh, two of the receivers I want to mention, I think Danny Gray's back this week, finally. Um, I don't know who he'll play with. I'm sure to many Trey Lance fans that they're hoping and praying it's a go ball to, to Danny Gray on Saturday. Um, they seem to have that connection. Um, but for Danny Gray, it's almost like... In training camp, I said, can you... like I? Almost hope Danny Gray doesn't play with Trey Lance because I want to see what he can do with a different quarterback. Um, for a guy who isn't going to, you know, be reliant on a goal ball like Trey Lance might be, or to see that opportunity there and take it, I want to see him operate within the short, intermediate, you know, style of the Shanahan offense that he hasn't seemed to be able to do last year, but has shown so much improvement on this year in training camp and OTAs and minicamp. Um, 
I want to see what he can do getting in and out of the routes. Like, you put Danny Gray on a slant route, like, we're talking that can go to the house. And I think for Sam Darnold, to compliment him, if he's just getting it to the, the playmakers and you give someone like Danny Gray, who possesses so much speed, the ball in space or the ball in a tight window, but he can break out into space, um, we're talking 15, 30, 40 yards. He is that fast. Like, it's very hard for a safety uh, let alone a cornerback to keep up with him when he has the ball in space. Um, but also for Danny Gray, kind of like Ronnie Bell, uh, I want to see them be consistent with their hands. It's been a problem in training camp, and um, last week Ronnie Bell was a problem for him during the game. His his, his ball was that he dropped was picked off. Um, but for both of these guys, it's almost like they're kind of smaller receivers when it comes to, you know, their girth, <laughs> um, but they're also going to be asked to play different but very similar roles in the offense. Um, I think Shanahan's looking for that kind of that slot receiver. Can Ronnie Bell be the heir apparent to Jawan Jennings? Can Danny Gray be the speedster that Kyle Shanahan hasn't had in the slot since Marquise Goodwin or Taylor Gabriel in Atlanta? Uh, I think you know Shanahan wants that mix and match option. Can they prove to be that for him? Can they prove to be a, a burning, quick, you know, can get the ball in the backfield or on a quick slant for, you know, go to the house like Danny Gray or for Ronnie Bell? It's, can you be this run-blocking, physical presence that when the pads come on, your play goes up? And we saw it last week against the Raiders. Can that carry over into this Saturday against Denver? Um, also for Ronnie Bell and maybe even Danny Gray as well here is that the kick return game. Um, I would assume Danny Gray might get a kick return or two in this game on Saturday. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how, you know, how healthy he is to play or how much he actually will play on Saturday. But if he does, I want to see him turn a kick or two. Um, we saw Ronnie Bell and Deshaun Jameson get those last week. Um, I preferably don't want to see Willie Steed back there. He possesses no skill outside of catching a football, and he's not great at that either on returns, so I'd love to see Danny Gray back there and get that opportunity to, uh, doing kick returns, and I, that is a way you can utilize your speed and kind of steal someone's job uh, if Danny Gray is somehow, or for whatever reason, looking to steal someone's job. Uh, but for Ronnie Bell and Danny Gray, I think kick returns, punt returns also come into the fray, because for Ronnie Bell, I think he was outshined by Deshaun Jameson last week. Um, and I do think, if you were to ask me right now, who is this team's punt or kick returner, it's Deshaun Jameson. But for Gray and Bell, it's okay, come in, like, fair catch it. It's almost like, it's almost kind of like the dynamic of Trey and Sam, where if you're Sam Darnold, you're playing it safe, hoping Trey Lance makes a mistake. And if you're, you know, Danny Gray, Ronnie Bell, you're like, play it safe, catch the ball, get out of bounds when you need to, call a fair catch, and you hope Deshaun Jameson makes a mistake. Um... I don't really want to see them be hyper-aggressive on punts, mainly. Kick your turns, do whatever you want, I can care less. But on punts, uh, Ronnie Bell holding the football right in front of a defender getting smacked, I don't want to see that. Um, I don't I don't want to see a young receiver getting blindsided or openly just destroyed by a, you know, running down the field gunner, running 100 miles an hour and laying him out. Um, I don't want to see that stuff. Uh, I'd rather you be a healthy receiver than a healthy kick returner or punt returner. But if you're going to do that stuff, secure the ball. I don't need 10, 20 yards. Just give me five yards of return. Give me from the 20 to the 25, from the 15 to the 20, from the 10 to the 15. 
give me some added on space. Don't fumble, and you'll be fine. That's what I want to see from those guys on Saturday against Denver. Keeping this thing rolling, three tight ends I want to mention here, none of them being Dwelly, Kittle, or Warner. This is the Cameron Latu hate uh, hate show, apparently. Um, look, Cameron Latu, again, just having drops two more at practice today on August 17th, leading into Friday, August the 18th. And for Cameron Latu, I'm finding a hard... I'm having a hard time finding a reason why they could keep him outside of draft status. Um, they like him. I get that. He's a good guy. He's a good case, young. Um, and again, we've talked how raw he's been. We talked about, you know, his transition from defense to offense and how that's that's a process, right? You know, it took, you know, uh, Watson, the, the left tackle here, it took him a year to kind of get his body right from going from tight end to left tackle. It's going to take Latou a little bit to get tight end down as his current new position. So I get there's a process there, but as a third-round pick, as, a, as a, a project player who's performing pretty bad, dropping passes and fumbling come game time, at what point do you just characterize them as unplayable and you stash them for a year and you just cut him and hope nobody picks him up? Um, that's... What I think is going to happen, that's what I think should happen at least. But for Cam Latu, it's simplify your game. You know, keep it simple, stupid. That's that's the old, you know, saying, keep it the kiss. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, right? Um, for Cam, it seems like there's so much going on in his brain. He's like, to the left, to the right, to the front, to the back, you know, from side to side, right? <laughs> um, it's ball thrown to you, catch ball, secure ball. If you have to fall down, fall down. If you want to gain two yards, gain two yards and like learn how to go down. Learn when to go down. Um, I get you want to prove yourself. I get when you finally catch a football after 17 drops in a row, it seems like. It's almost like, oh my god, I caught the football. <laughs> what do I do now? And for Cam, it's like, catch it and just go down if you have to. Um, his route running is good. You can. He's going to get into space. It's almost like... You know, if you play Madden, uh, you know, you I forgot, forgot the button, but you can make your receiver fall down. Just catch it and fall down. Like, you're trying to secure yards and stop the clock and call a timeout or whatever it is in Madden. But in real life for Cam, it's almost like you are, you are making your life so much harder by trying to process so much information. Just play tight end. If this plays a blocking play, block. Block the guy in front of you. I'd rather you make a mistake knowing the playbook because you're a rookie than try to do 17 different things at once and then mess up the entirety of the play and or drop or fumble the football. Just, I am okay with you making rookie playbook mistakes. That's fine. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will hate that, but I'm sure he's more okay with that than you fumbling a, a game or a drive away in preseason especially. So for Cam, it's almost like, Go out there and keep it simple. There's no reason to get over your head or think, you know, what is the center doing on this play? Just play tight end. Just play tight end, dude. <laughs> like, it's hard. I get that. But just be, and I hate to say this, but be like Braden Willis, who you can tell he's more experienced there. It's abundantly clear he's actually played tight end for over a year <laughs> coming out of Oklahoma. Um, he looked more. He looks more comfortable. Looks more, you know, kind of set and confident in what he knows and how to play 
tight end in the position. And for him, for Braden Willis, it's almost like this tight end number two jobs up for grabs right now. And I think, you know, how can you be the inline blocker? He was good last week, I think, against Las Vegas. Didn't shine too much, but you can instantly tell there was a difference from Cam Law to, to Braden Willis. For Braden, I don't think he has to do anything differently, per se. Come in. He's already keeping it simple. He's doing his role every single play. He, he's he's He seemingly knows the offense to a much more advanced degree than Law 2 already knows. And if everything, you know, shook out the way it is right now, Braden Willis, to me, is this team's, you know, at least tight end three at, at the worst. I think Braden Willis, the way he's played, being a, being a blocker, kind of getting open in space, actually catching footballs and, you know, being in the backfield somewhat as a, as a pass blocker or, you know, back there with the with the running back being the fullback on certain plays, I I truly think Braden Willis has, you know, etched himself a role in the offense. It would be really surprised if he gets cut or, or traded or dropped in some way or some fashion. But for Braden Willis, uh, it's kind of like Sam Darnold again, where it's like you just keep you do what you do, keep it simple. You know, I do want to see him make a bigger presence in the passing game. I know that's harder to do when you got five guys going out for a catch or running routes and you aren't targeted, but I think he actually can learn something from Cam Lotto and it's his route running. Uh, Braden Willis, when he gets in space, he's quick. When And he can also catch the football. <laughs> so it makes it a little easier to trust him, uh, throwing to him. But I think like if you can kind of morph Cam Lotto and Braden Willis into one player, you have a really good tight end number two someone who can get open in space and is a good route runner like Latu is and someone who has secure hands and you know is unafraid to you know make a diving play or be a, you know, aggressive blocker on offense like Willis is but for Willis I want to see him you know work on getting it out of his breaks better uh, against Denver and hopefully you know make two or three catches on Saturday and gain the trust of whether it's Brandon Allen or Sam Darnold uh, the other one is Troy Fumagalli I think he's been the top three tight end in, in camp so far. I, I, I would understand if, you know, they want to keep Dwelly or a Warner as a veteran piece, but right now as a receiver, um, Troy Fumagalli has been this team's best receiving tight end outside of George Kittle in training camp this year. Um, I think for him, there there's not a locked-in tight end outside of George Kittle, depending on the spot you look at on the depth chart. And if they're going to keep four guys, I think for Fumagalli, it's, you know, how can you make yourself this versatile kind of vertical type of player at tight end? Um, we saw in training camp, we saw even last week where, you know, he was a lot of times the number one read on plays for as small as the playbook was on sa- a Sunday against Las Vegas. And so for Fumagalli, it's like, hey, like, if I can, like... If Willis becomes this blocking tight end, which I think they want him to be, can Fumagalli unseat Latu as a receiving tight end or show to be a more vertical presence in the offense where if Kittle goes down, you have two guys that can do different things in Willis and Fumagalli, but in Fumagalli's case, he can be, you know, like, and, and I hate saying this, but, you know, look at the Rams. They have Higby and Skoranek. Now, Skronik plays receiver, but he can by all means be a tight end. Or even look at the the Chiefs. They have Kelsey and they have Blake Bell. Like, can you be a Blake Bell type of player? Um, I'm sure there's more examples out there as well, but can you be someone like that who is a strictly vertical pass-catching tight end? 
that when in space can make a play, and I think he can, and I hope on Saturday he shows that against Denver. Uh, the offensive line, uh, my goodness, just play better. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty simple, um, but more specifically, um, my eyes are going to be on Leroy Watson at swing tackle. Um, probably going to be the, the second team swing tackle in this game. I'm not sure if he'll play with Lance, Darnold, or Allen, but I think he outplayed Matt Pryor and Jalen Moore. This team has worked out three tackles uh, a day ago, so you can tell they're looking to make a move or or make a transition somewhere. This could be the Matt Pryor goodbye tour, um, which I wouldn't be too mad about, but uh, I think right now the San Francisco is looking at their depth at tackle and saying, like, we are not sure what we have. We're not confident in what we have. We may have to find somebody else. And I think for Watson... I'm coming off a strong performance against the Raiders. It's can you build upon that? Can they? Can you make them trust you to be this backup swing tackle? Because if you can, like this job's wide open. Jalen Moore hasn't done hasn't done nearly enough to prove himself. Matt Pryor sucks, uh, and no one else has stepped up. And so for him, and Watson's like, look, I'm young, I'm unproven, but I have so much potential in me that I can be a backup swing tackle after one year of converting from tight end. His body's right. His makeup's right. Um, there still is some technique issues. I think he's you know too slow with his feet sometimes and, and too fast with his hands sometimes. Kind of over-aggressive with his blocks where you want to sit back and be patient. Um, but I think for a young player like Watson, um, this is an opportunity. Get in there and you put two games together in a row that, that are good on tape and you're good in pass blocking, that'll make Kyle Shanahan, make Chris Forrester say, hmm... We may have something here. Uh, three other guys. One of them is more of a question: is that are they gonna screw with the center position again this week? Because last week they put John Feliciano playing center to start, which he hadn't done much in camp. When Keith Ismail has been playing backup center, so I'm not sure if that's gonna happen again. That's more of a question for me. If if they're shuffling the offensive line again, um, why is my question? But the other part of it is, like, where does that put Keith Ishmael? Because I know they're looking for... The, you have to have at least two or three centers in preseason to make this thing work, and Brendel's not going to play, so someone has to move, move over to that position. Um, I'd rather see Nick Zakel there, because he was atrocious against the guard, or or playing guard against Las Vegas. I think for Nick Zakel, his stock's in the freaking crapper. It's in the porta potties at practice. He looks so bad at camp and so bad in the past week or so uh, of practice and training camp and in the preseason that I think his stock is so bad where he could get cut or is on the practice squad again this year. Like he looks like he's overmatched. I get he went from center and now is trying to learn guard. That's a tough transition, but much easier than most. Um, usually interior offensive lines much easier than going from outside to inside. And so for him to be poor in pass blocking, poor in run blocking, um, I think his stock's at an all-time low. But if someone is going to step up, I do think it's Ilm Manning. Um, he's kind of caught the, the, the undrafted free agent gem status right now after one preseason game. He looked really strong. Um, many fans have been talking about him playing swing tackle, his arms are way too short. Um, I think he's better fitted to play guard. But even right now, if Nick Zakel is going to get cut or isn't that good and Jason Poe continues to struggle on some of his reps, uh, 
Il Manning, I think, can find a spot on this team. Uh, you put again, you put together a stretch of games. You just you, you stack your practices. You stack days. You're going to find yourself in the good favor of Chris Forrester and Kyle Shanahan. And for an offensive lineman like Il Manning, who should have been drafted, who I think deserved to be picked in this draft. Um, you know, when you put the, the UDFA next to someone's name, it almost kind of writes them off entirely from a kind of preconceived notion of that title. But for Il Manning to put the game he put on tape against the Raiders, um, he proved something. He can at least play against second-team def- defenses. And I think if you're going to need a backup guy, why not have someone that, one, should have been drafted, and two, has probably put the best game on tape of every single offensive lineman that played last week like trust him a little more this week um i kind of hope he is or becomes this udfa gem but also i hope that you know they tell him you are playing guard and i hope another young guy can kind of rise to the top and kind of you know find his way onto the roster because right now we talk so much this offensive line has no depth it's it's john feliciano and then everybody else and some guys they kind of pick to be the backups aren't playing very well and we're seeing the ill manning step up we're seeing the keith, the keith ishmael step up we're seeing guys who you know weren't supposed to make the team show themselves to be versatile and running and pass blocking but also find themselves playing guard and tackle and center positions this team really really needs right now so uh nick zakel not very excited but watson and ishmael and and Manning, uh, keep your eyes on those three offensive linemen on Saturday against Denver. Moving to the defense, talking no defensive ends this week. Uh, Drake Jackson might not play. Clellan Farrell looked good in, you know, against the Raiders last week. He looked good in practice today. Um, but there really isn't much to discuss. Taco Charlton might be hurt again. I'm not sure what's happening there. Um, the entire defensive line is banged up, um, so that may for San Francisco to play a starter here or there. Maybe it's Sean Hargrave for a drive or two to kind of relieve some of the injuries. But I think we're going to see guys like Barrett and Hyder play inside because everyone's banged up there. No Bosa, no Jackson. You don't want to play Hargrave or Armstead. We're going to see this kind of mix and match of, you know, I would not be surprised if the defensive line looks a little worse for wear on uh, Saturday. Um, But that doesn't bother me too much, knowing the context around it. But linebackers, um, Marshall McCurry Ball, Jalen Graham. Um, we talked last week and kind of had the entirety of the offseason and, and building up to this moment where two young, fast, aggressive linebackers, both of them earning green dots throughout certain portions in camp, Jalen Graham getting it last week against Las Vegas. Um, Yes, there are certain things they have to improve upon. Yes, these guys are very different in their playing style. Um, McCreary Ball is much more like a Dre Greenlaw. Jalen Graham is much more of a, you know, a, a, a trying to think of, of the name, but he's much more of a play at the line, stop the run style of player, or at least in the way he's aggressive and plays that way. Um, he plays like a Hufunga, right? He plays like a safety because he kind of was a safety uh, at Purdue. And so I think for him and Jalen Graham's case, it's more of about, you know, I have no worry he can cover a tight end or a slot receiver. My concern is sometimes he gets lost trying to make a play on, on a run. 
Sometimes you see him, you know, running and sprinting to get to a play, but then finds himself getting blocked or getting blocked into or kind of lost in the shuffle of the defense and offensive line. Um, I want to see him make more concise and direct routes to the football. Um, Fred Warner is so great because he's patient but aggressive at the same time. I want to see Jalen Graham improve in that area. Then for McCray Ball, it's almost like you kind of already have a job here. <laughs> um, it's just more so of, you know, with Oren Burks hurt, might miss, you know, week one or week two of the NFL regular season, this is your chance to become that true number three linebacker on the field. And that goes for D. Winters and, and Graham as well, and even Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. There's a linebacker spot open for at least a week or two. What are you going to do to prove that? And for D. Winters, I think I think he's kind of on the outs, not as being cut, but someone you stash for a year. Um, all of these guys are fast. All of these guys want to hunt. Um, and McCray Ball and Jalen Graham, I think, have the edge in the area right now. But uh, this is on Saturday against Denver, DFF and McCray Ball. This is their chance to say, I can replace Oren Burks if he's going to be out uh, throughout the entirety or at least one or two weeks of the season. Um, in the secondary, we have the nickel position. Um and that's mainly what this, you know, topic is about. Because we know Henry Thomas had a great game against the Raiders last week. Especially later, kind of cleaned his coverage up. Um, Samuel Womack was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Um, we're going to see them kind of continue to adapt to the new defense they're in. And, you know, playing off of receivers a lot more. I want to see them be more aggressive at the line. Play a little more press coverage. But that's up to Steve Wilkes, obviously, not myself. But I think my question is, what's happening at nickel? We saw and heard Isaiah Oliver start against the Raiders last week, which was odd. But then we heard Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan say, there's a competition there. Um, red flag, that was not discussed or even hinted at during training camp leading up to the first preseason game. But now we're hearing them say that, you know, it more so seems like they want Amber Thomas to go play outside, Lenore play the inside, and Mooney Ward play the opposite outside corner. Whereas the expectation was you have Lenore, Oliver, and Mooney, and now it's kind of like, is Oliver not playing well? I thought he had a pretty good training camp guarding guys like Kittle and Ayuk and Debo, but I don't know what happened in joint practices in Las Vegas. I didn't hear anything poorly of him, but maybe they're just impressed by... A.G. Parker, who I, I don't... I wouldn't feel confident playing him again. I, I, I think they want guys like Womack and Thomas to step up and force them to either move, you know, Lenore inside or Womack back to inside. Um, and I think for Deshaun Jameson, he's also playing slot. Um, these are a bunch of guys who didn't play the nickel at all throughout the entirety of training camp. Now, kind of finding their place back in that position to kind of... Or maybe steal Oliver's job... Um, one, that's concerning, but also two, um, if they can play and put together a good performance on Saturday against Denver, either outside or in the slot, um, Lenore shouldn't play, Mooney Ward shouldn't play, but at a certain point, San Francisco might have to kind of recalibrate how they view their secondary and their cornerbacks, because if it goes poorly again for Oliver on Saturday, who I think should start again, um... And, I, and let's be fair here. That was his first game in in the defense. Like, let's if everyone gets you know kind of you know talked down to, uh, 
Oliver's in that role too, but also you have to kind of give somebody, you know, the entire defense an excuse of, you have a new defensive coordinator, how are you going to adapt to that new role you're going to be in, or, you know, the subtle differences in how he coaches and how he wants you to play. Um, I think Oliver's in that camp as well, but if he plays again on Saturday and he plays poorly and Amory Thomas plays well and Womack plays well, Deshaun Jameson plays well, A.J. Parker plays well, we're sitting here saying, is he this team's, like, fifth cornerback, which wouldn't have been the case two weeks ago, a week ago, right? So we're kind of finding ourselves in a weird transition point of you want Oliver to succeed. He was signed here to be the replacement of Jimmy Ward, but now it's kind of fallen out of graces and it's kind of a weird spot to find himself in. But I'm looking at that cornerback room intently because it's in flux. Depth is kind of up in the air. And position-wise... There could be some serious movement of guys inside or guys back to outside. Uh, so keep out for that nickel cornerback room uh, on Saturday against Denver. Um, and the last two guys, two safeties, Jair Brown, Taylor Hawkins, um, both of them have reaped the praises of Steve Wilkes in recent days. And Taylor Hawkins, who is now finding himself playing more free safety, when Deshaun Gibson does not practice, I think that's a good sign for him. Um, I don't want to carry Miles Hartfeld on the team. I prefer, and it's this is probably more because George Odom is hurt. Like San Francisco has found themselves in positions where there are veteran players expected to make the team that are hurt currently and could miss you know a week or two of the actual season. And so for young players like Hawkins and Jair Brown, it's are you going to step up and you know let San Francisco know they can trust you. And I think for Hawkins, for someone who, you know, doesn't really have a spot on the roster currently, who I think they should carry on the practice squad at least, I think for him, he's only played strong safety in training camp or in practice. If he's playing free safety now, which I think fits him more, um, how do you adapt to that? I would rather have Jair Brown play strong safety as a backup than free safety. I get why he's playing free safety. And look... It's a name of a title. It doesn't exactly, you know, it doesn't really direct what you're going to do every single play. Your role changes every single play. It's only a title, right? But for Hawkins, I think he fits that mold of a blitzing free safety more than, you know, this, you know, bruising strong safety they have in Hufunga and Brown. Um, so I, I also want to see how those two guys play next to each other. They're young, they're fast, they're aggressive. For Jair Brown, um, again, those instincts were on display, but for him, I want to see him play better in coverage. Um, that's kind of been my knock on him is he's a little slow. Um, he plays fast, but he's slow. Um, and we saw last week that Las Vegas was not afraid to throw over this Niners defense. Big plays haven't changed in one game, uh, from last year, right? I think this week against Denver, who... I don't believe has an explosive offense at all, really. Um, their receivers probably aren't going to play. Their starters do play. Um, I doubt they push the ball pretty far, but if they do, I want to see Jair Brown step up and kind of make it a point to say, hey, look, you're not beating you know, the defense over the top. And I think if he can do that, I mean, kind of you know, show the improvement of, hey, it happened like three times last week. How can I step up and make sure it doesn't happen? You're going to see him gain more you know, momentum or gain more trust when being paired with Hufunga because Hufunga's issue is over the top. 
He's going to blitz. There is going to be plays open over the top. How can you limit them in this defense? And if Brown or even Hawkins can show they can be that stopper, um, it's going to you know catch the eye of Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes, and make them say, hmm, like we may have something here in these two young safeties. Niners, Broncos, this Saturday, Levi Stadium. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching the podcast on YouTube. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Follow us on social media as well. If you want to know who's starting on Saturday or you want to know, you know who's out and not going to play, you're going to find those things on our social media accounts, Twitter, 49ers underscore access, Instagram, 49ers dot access, constant updates, constant Niner talk 24-7 all day long on those two social media accounts. Also, if you want to go to a game this year, use our promo code 49ers access and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, buy some merch at fanatics.com up above at the link or down below in the description and save yourself some money while also supporting the show. In the meantime, again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It's late. It's 10 o'clock on August 17th. Coming out this podcast tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed it. Those are the players to watch for Niners and Broncos on Saturday. You can catch me on 95-7 the game before the game and after the game. Tune in, listen, call into the show, 888-957-9570, and come enjoy some Niners talk with yours truly, Sterling Bennett. This has been the Forward Niner Access Podcast, and until next time, enjoy Saturday and stay faithful.